fear. Fear is a universal human experience. All people, cultures, countries, backgrounds. It's a, it is a human, um, it is just part of the human existence. Uh, so you might think of things that we're afraid of. If you, I googled fear and prevalence and got 63 million hits. <laughs> Many of those define phobias, those intense fears, fear of spiders, closed spaces, public speaking, death. Um, some of them somewhat abstract. If someone says, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm not, maybe I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. Um, kids teasing one another is sometimes a place. But we play on our fears. The suspense, books, movies, theme park rides, right? Is that get in that tension between what we're afraid of and what we're willing to do. Haunted houses, um, surprise, harm, safety. What are those things that, uh, that play on our hearts? But I wonder, have you ever thought about fear as a driver? As a driver, an influencer of your actions, even your thoughts, feelings. As a young girl, I had this wonderful rock. I found it in Wyoming one summer that we uh, that we lived there. It looked like marble to me, but it was this big rock. And I kept it in my bedroom, and it was always near my bed because I was afraid that fire might break out at some point. And that was always going to be my way to bust the window and <laughs> to be able to get out. Um, even as a young mom, when I would go to bed at night, I would have um, a glass of water and a stack of washcloths or something close by because I was strategizing in my mind how I could crawl on the floor and protect my breathing and the breathing of our children to get to our children um, and to get out safely. How do we, or how are you, influenced by fear? Those are some examples, but there's also silent, less obvious examples that they're still powerful some that we may not even realize we're allowing to guide and influence us. Fear of failure, of being inadequate, not being enough or good enough. Lack of acceptance, does it keep us from doing things that we want or need to do or are called to do? Things that hold us back and bind us up, think for a moment. What about you? How has fear played a role in your life? What are you facing right now that feels uncertain and scary? Is there a particular fear that is influencing your decisions and actions? Something that you're choosing not to pursue or to do? Are you sidelining yourself? You've had an injury, it's hard to get back up on the bike or the horse uh, or back on the court. Uh, the field, the gymnastics floor, whatever those may be. Um, this week we're in the second of three weeks walking through Romans 8 and parables uh, in Matthew. So uh, we spent some time last week, um, Jesus talking, but through, through these, through Matthew and the parables that we're walking through, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom, about our receptivity to God's word and his teaching and how it influences and all the things that seek to distract or derail us potentially. In Romans 8, and we've been actually walking through the book of Romans the last two months, uh, Paul is teaching us about freedom in the spirit living in us, uh, that it brings life, it frees us to help us to move from bondage 
uh, toward adoption as God's children. Will we follow? So last week in our parable, we shared about um, the good farmer and the sower sowing good seed. Um, we talked about the soils, the soils in our lives, the soils in our heart. Um, as he was, was talking through his disciples, and, he challenged, and we challenged one another to look at, look at the condition of the soil in our heart and in our lives. Is it packed down hard? Is it full of rocks or weeds or thorns that are choking out the growing faith that he's planning in us through his word? And our reading in Matthew this week is another parable with a farmer and a seed, and seed, but this time we have two planting, one good, one evil, um, and two types of seed, good and evil. And the seed in this parable is representing the people of the world. So early in my growth towards Jesus and the explosion of faith, this uh, passage that we're going to be in for the gospel today in Romans 8, really, if you've ever heard the song, uh, no, slaves, no longer slaves. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it literally unraveled me as I really thought about what it means to live with the Spirit in me and wanting to guide me if I will just let it. So let's dive into the passage and then we will uh, and then we'll walk through. But I want to just remind you. So last week we started in uh, verses one through eleven in Romans eight and begins with, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ. And it talks about the Spirit of God living in us. So we pick up here at, uh, at verse 12. Therefore, and it's on, your, it's on your sheet too. Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Amen. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Hard to hear. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Amen. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. We also read in the Matthew parable. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, his wrath, and judgment. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Amen. Including the new bodies he has promised us. Amen. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. 
Exactly. So let's let's look um, look at this passage. So it begins um, because we have Christ's Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit in us. We have no obligation to do what our sinful nature urges us to do. It's part of our human existence from you know, from the fall in the garden to to have the nature to sin, to not do all of the things that God calls us to do, to live the way he might have us live. But we remember from verse 1 last week, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. His spirit is in us, and so what do we do with that? For if you live by the dictates of the sinful nature, you will die, being dead in our sins. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death those deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. And led here in this, uh, in this context in Greek has pretty deep meaning to, to lead, obviously, to carry, to guide. Um, it also means to keep. You think about the, the numbers, the blessing passage, Lord bless you and keep you. So the Spirit is in us. He's wanting to guide us. He holds us. He keeps us. He helps to move us forward. If what he wants to do, but he won't force us. He doesn't make us little robots doing God's will in this world. He guides us when we have to look to him. So as a result, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Other versions, ESV, NIV, refer to a spirit of slavery so that we fall back into fear because it is, again, human nature to feel fear and how we let that fear influence our lives impacts what we can do and be for him in his kingdom. So it talks about that, the uh, King James talks about a spirit of bondage again to fear. But with the spirit in us, we don't have to live in fear. It doesn't mean that we don't feel fear. It means that we can move on despite fear with courage and strength in him who lives within us. So you think about um, children. You know, you, you walk into a room and something something crashed and broke, and they're the only one in there, and it's right there. And I'm like, what did you do? I didn't do it. It wasn't me, right? That's just, it's a natural, <laughs> it's a natural tendency. Uh, so we can believe, um, we sometimes will believe lies that we can't handle something or turn to something to take the edge off of pain. We don't want to admit our failures. We don't want to stay in that place that feels uncomfortable, and that leads us down the path away from God and away from relying on the Spirit when we can easily just turn to Him. And then it goes on to say, instead you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Stop and think what this means. In this time, the, um, your family lineage and who you were part of was, um, was, was very important. It determined many things. And so the concept of being adopted as God's own children not as a second-class person coming into his family, but as his child. We talk about being co-heirs with Christ. Amen. How big Amen. this really is. You know, sometimes we have difficult family experiences. We may or may not have had good experiences with our parents. Um, and so the concept of having a good father who pulls us in uh, and wants us as his children and claims us as his very own is a huge, huge promise. So much so, it goes on to say that now we call him Abba, Father. And Abba is like a term of endearment. It shows intimacy, familiarity, like Papa or Daddy. Uh, in 
And what Paul is saying here is like, this is God to us. We can crawl up into his lap and let him comfort us and guide us. He loves us in that way. Amen. So no matter what our experience has been, we are his children and we are his heirs, full rights as members of his family. So Paul goes on confirming that connection with Christ. We are co-heirs with, uh, with Christ and co-heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share it in his glory, this is the hard part, we must also share his suffering. For what we suffer now, though, is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Suffering's hard to think about and talk about, but it's also part of our human experience. Exactly. We all go through things that are difficult. Um, whether we are in Christ or not in Christ, right. suffering happens in this world and in people's lives. Just like the parable says, um, the, the Matthew parable that Wendy read for us, um, that in the end he will send his harvester, um, his harvesters who are the angels, who will then gather up the wheat and separate. Um, so we are, eager, we are eagerly awaiting his revelation, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay will live fully in him. So we'll talk about suffering and hope because he says, let me find the passage, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when we will join God's children. So he talks about suffering and hope coexisting, which sometimes can feel a little bit like an oxymoron, right? But you see what he's doing here? He's using the anticipation of birth of a child. So you think about a woman in labor and the pain that goes along with it, but just the hope and the anticipation of the child eventually being born, this long-awaited, anticipated child, creation of God, member of, member of their family. So in, in the middle of suffering, there is hope and anticipation. So that's the analogy that he uses, just like Jesus on the cross. You think of everything he endured leading up to his crucifixion um, and death on the cross. He was suffering, but he suffered not without hope because it was for the joy that was set before him. He endured that cross, that, that he would be in God's glory and that we too would be able to come face to face with God as Amen. his children. Amen. So we too wait with eager hope for the day that God will give us our full rights as adopted children. We were given this hope when we were saved. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope, we don't necessarily hope for things that we already have, but we also patiently wait for the full fulfillment uh, of that in time. So the truth is, whether we obey his word or not, and we let fear lead us to sin or drive our thoughts, words, or actions, suffering still happens, and people deal with those consequences all the time. We'd like to think that the choice is to sacrifice and obey God or live free but the opposite isn't living free. It's actually living in bondage uh, and in death. So let's take a look quickly at that parable that Wendy read from the Matthew passage today. We talked about two farmers planting. The good farmer, Jesus, is planting good seed, um, his people in the kingdom. And then uh, the enemy comes, not Satan, right, who comes and, and sows bad seed among the good, so sows the weeds. And as it's growing up, it's hard to, the type of seed that, that they talk about in the commentaries here would look a lot like, like the wheat growing until the, until the grain, until the grain comes. 
and then you can see the, and you can see the difference. So I think what, one of the things that's instructive for us here is remembering that we all have some good and some bad bound up in our lives, um, and that in the end it is the fruit um, that He will help to grow and to fulfill in us. In John 13:35, Jesus says, "By this we will know that you are my disciples. That all will know that you are my disciples." If you love one another, are we loving others, even in the face of fear, and whose power? So what does fear look like in our lives? You know, you can think about um, anxiety, shrinking back, um, seizing control. Sometimes fear looks like apathy or inaction. Um, we hear news stories about something awful happening and people being around and doing nothing to stop it. And I can listen to those um, those reports kind of incredulously saying, why would somebody not take action? But I remember a time back in 05 <coughs> when our youngest son was an infant and our older sons were eight and 10 and my parents were in town because new baby um, and enjoying him and, and walking through life. And we picked uh, older brothers up from school and we went to a little diner for lunch. And while we were there, we were, we'd already ordered and we're sitting down and there was a couple that came in. It was an older couple and he was really, really angry, very angry at his wife. And he was berating her. Something had happened and he felt disrespected and he was berating her and he was threatening her. And I was terrified. For her, I was terrified for us. Here I am, mom, I've got baby in a carrier, eight and 10 year old, I've got my mom there, and we're the only other people in the diner besides a teenage person working at the counter. And- um, They're probably scared too. Yeah, and so I, but as I wrestled, it's like, what can I do, what can I do? And I, I did nothing. I didn't say anything, I tried to follow them out to get a license plate, and, wasn't successful in that, and it just, that moment has haunted me for a long time. I mean, I prayed, prayed for her, prayed for them, but I look back, it's like, why? What could I have said? I couldn't figure out what to say in the moment, 17 years ago, but it really was, um, was impactful. And so you, you think about how fear can sometimes put us in a place, or bind us up and keep us from acting even when we could. Sometimes it looks like overly helpful advice. Have you ever offered strong <laughs> suggestions to somebody, grounded in fear, someone's gonna do something and you come up with all the reasons that they could do something else or do it a different way because you really don't want them to do that thing? Uh, I remember growing up, um, both our youngest and oldest sons, Will and Charlie, ran 5Ks uh, when they were growing up. And Charlie was the first one um, he was in eighth grade and he hadn't been running. And uh, my brother, it was a, five, a little 5K in our neighborhood and my brother-in-law encouraged him to come along. It was a really hot, sticky summer North Carolina day. And so I'm all worried, you know, it's all up and down hills. I'm like, what if he passes out? What if he gets dehydrated? I'm trying to get him to take water to run with him. Like, all, I guess apparently don't run with water. But <laughs> I didn't know, I'm not a runner. Um, but, so, and, but I was like, no, make sure you do this. And I'm talking to my brother, I'm like, don't push him. Like, I was just like this crazy person. 
And, you know, so they go off, and I'm stressing, you know, and I'm pacing, and I'm waiting, and I'm hoping, and I'm praying, and as the runners start to come back, who's in the lead? Charlie runs and finishes the race first. But I, what did I do? I poured all of my fears and insecurities on him. Fortunately, five years or so later, six years later, when well we were able to enjoy it. He was able to, uh, to just go and enjoy the race, and we were joyfully waiting uh, for them to come. That was this huge race uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a park uh, close by. But it's like, wow, the experience for them and for me probably for my husband, <laughs> uh, were very different because I wasn't so bound up in fear. There was another time when our older sons were going to go play in the woods behind our house. Um, but again, in North Carolina, we've got copperheads, and I knew that there were some in the woods. And so they're all ready to go out with all their stuff. They're going to go exploring. And so I start giving them safety advice for if you get, if you see a snake, if you get bit. So they were out there for five minutes and came back. I killed it. I killed their desire to go explore these wonderful woods and creeks behind our house because of my fear. Um, what about you? I have many other examples too. But Paul is spot on here that we can live enslaved by fear. Um, many other things growing up, I, I calculated risk and made many decisions out of fear. Um, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear that I couldn't do something good enough. And we can get so busy trying to control and calculate risk that we just miss the moments to connect. But my realization um, came through life in the spirit, guides us and empowers us to live differently. So realization that I was not in control of my life or the outcomes of everybody else's life that I cared for um, came through experiences and trials, trying to calculate as I might. Finally understanding, experience, and embracing my need for Jesus came not because I felt like it was the right thing to do, but because through my failures and my efforts and my ways of coping, I was making things worse, not better. I was making things harder for everybody, for myself, not better. Thinking that I could fix things or control things had Jesus not found me on a deserted bench in a deserted part of a beach, um, I don't want to think what would have happened because I felt like we were, I was in this destructive spiral that could have hurt a lot of us, myself included. And I just, I'm so grateful that he is with that. He is like that. He's with us all the time. And he's just waiting for us to let go of that control. Man. And the fear of the what ifs or what about all the things. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but he would show me a new way of living. He would do this through his word and he would do it through being in community of other people who were already not that every anybody gets it perfect, nobody got it perfect but Jesus, but people around us who were trying to live that way and who were trusting him. We're looking to him and his word are now part of the fabric and the patterns of my life. Sunday's no longer a box that sits on the shelf and I go see and worship Jesus on Sunday and they get back to life. That's how life used to be. But as I drew but as I draw near, 
I learn a new way. Amen. Yeah, so did I get everything right from that moment on? No. no. <laughs> did I do all the things that I should have? No. Do I still? No. But my choices are changing. My choices have changed. My thoughts have changed. My reactions have changed. I have a friend who's a parenting author. Um, she's, well, she's a parenting educator, child, early childhood family educator. And one of the things that, that she taught me through some work that we did together, progress not perfection Amen. is the goal. And the same is true when we talk about that with our children and raising our children, that was the context that she taught me. And how is the same true about our relationship with our father, our good father who loves us? And even though I don't always get it right, I know that 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 He's with me. Amen. And He's with you. And He wants to guide you. Mm -hmm. And He loves you. He's not judging you. And I just don't want to live any other way. But will He do the things that we desire? No. In our timing? <laughs> not usually. <laughs> um, but we know and we wait with hope. Right? We wait with hope. Thinking about the fears and their influence on my thinking and, acti and activities, or thinking and action lessened until they were gone. I, as I was walking through that difficult season of life 10 years ago, I, as I, as I drew closer to him, I was seeking healing and guidance in a lot of different areas. And what I realized one day is I wasn't afraid anymore. Like I wasn't thinking about, well, what if this and what if that? Like he took that away. It wasn't even like, God, take this away from me. I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. Are you aware of how fear might be driving you? That doesn't even look like fear. Sometimes it looks like something else. Sometimes it looks like anger. Anger is always a second emotion. It's usually something that happens before. What is it for you? Think about the situations. I would eventually get a point where I would travel on mission to Guatemala. I would never have taken the risk to go to a country that, um, that wasn't as developed and into remote places to care for people. Uh, it just was not something I would have ever done. It would have been too risky. I didn't think about it for a second. I didn't hesitate for a minute when the opportunity presented. I would take opportunities to walk in the city and serve people who are experiencing houselessness uh, as part of a team, something I would never have done before, but he allows us to do that, and that's leading by the Spirit. We can learn to live in freedom. Um, staying calm. Can we stay calm in the face of insults and criticism? We read about that uh, for us. You read that for us out of Proverbs. Uh, in the face of insults, insults, do we stay calm? Do we use words that bring life? or words that are cutting in response to something, something presses on an old wound. Do we react? Are we using our words carefully in a way that brings healing and wisdom? Are we being present? Do we speak the truth even when it means admitting that we are wrong or we did something wrong rather than lying to hide a mistake or a misstep? It means we follow his lead and yet it's hard to live like this. And the reality is, this is not something that we can do on our own. No. It's not something I can do on my own. It's not something you can do on your own. And I know after we moved here, I went through a season after I had gotten 
as he had rid all those fears for me, uh, we moved, there was a pandemic, parent, there was so much change and I realized I fell back into fear for a season and God would walk with me through that. I regret many missed opportunities in that time. Are you missing moments? I was trying to do it myself, but what about you? Are you trying to do what's right for him and those you love all on your own? Don't miss the moments. The thing is, we can't do it on their own, but there is one who did, and that's Jesus. Amen. Jesus who came down, he left heaven fully God, fully human, who set our lives before his. He experienced loss. He experienced betrayal. His friends let him down. His family let him down. I wonder when Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, take this cup for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Does that sound like fear to yeah. you? He knew what was before him. So Jesus was fully human. He felt human emotions that we feel, that we feel. But he moved on in courage and obedience and love, deep, deep love for each one of us. He loves you that much. Amen. And he wants you to know him. And through faith in him, surrounded by Christian community, we can live like that. I've seen it. I've seen it in other people's lives. I've witnessed it. I've experienced it firsthand. He is so beautiful. Yes. And so gentle. And so kind. And just wants us to live freely in him. His mercy and grace. So reflect, what are you fearing? Deep down. Are you willing to look inside yourself with him to see what he sees? What's driving your words and your actions, your reactions? What Jesus can do that we cannot do, that a farmer cannot, is turn our sin and our shame into grace and victory for our good, for his glory. Unlike wheat and weeds, we all have potential for good and bad within us, but he wants to renew us, to forgive us, to strengthen us, to redeem us. He has redeemed us. He makes us right, and he will lead us, and he will use you to bring his kingdom, his love, his light into a struggling world. Amen. Where people are suffering. Amen. And a lot of them suffering without hope. So do you believe it's possible? Amen. Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he will? His spirit is in you. He will lead. Will you let him? Will you follow? He loves you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Papa, our Daddy, thank you for loving us, for adopting us as your own, as your own children into your family. Jesus, co-heirs with you. Lord, we thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. We know that you love us, that you redeem us, that you forgive us, that you want nothing more than for us to walk with you, to crawl up into your lap and let you comfort us and guide us, to whisper into our ear, to help put your finger on those places where those things that we're justifying and manipulating or controlling um, are actually driven by fear and not 
our good actions are concerned. Lord, would you just help us to be honest with ourselves and with you, to be willing to pry our hands off of the controls and learn to trust you and walk with you, our good, good Father, no matter what our life experiences have been, Lord, no matter what they are in this moment, no matter what we're going through, suffering through, and joyfully walking through, we know that you are with us, that you love us, you will keep us. Lord, we look to you. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.